This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. To learn more or to subscribe, visit beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. For this episode of the Craft Beer and Brewing Podcast, we are still in Chicago. Actually, I guess we're back in Chicago because uh, by the time people listen to this, some of these will be separated by our best in beer episodes, uh, which we have already recorded in the, you know, in the strange miracle of podcast world. Uh, we time shift all of these things. Nonetheless, let me, I'm, I'm getting distracted here. We're in Chicago. We're at Dovetail Brewery. Joining me are Hagen Dost, uh, one of the co-founders of Dovetail, Dan Modica, sales director, and uh, Brittany Gedwill. Uh, Duchess of production? Oh, no, Produ- production manager. Production manager, that's that's the title. Um, we are, you know, if you are, oh, sorry, welcome to the podcast, all three of you. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I love having an excuse to come to Dovetail whenever I'm sh- in Chicago. Uh, a couple years ago, we came and filmed, filmed an all-access video on decoction uh, with Hagen and Bill. And if you are an all-access subscriber to Craft Beer and Brewing, of course you've watched that video, right? Of course you have. Um, and so on this trip back here for Fobob weekend, uh, you know, I just figured, hey, we haven't actually recorded a podcast yet. And so we should make this happen just because I need an excuse to come drink uh, lager with you, Hoggy. You know, in Chicago speak, it's Fobab. <laughs> Fobab. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. I will, uh, your pronunciation guide is duly noted. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to talk about lager brewing. We're going to probably talk about Kolsch brewing through this too, just because mm. uh, that is a, another hot topic that we have leaned on dovetail uh, now mm-hmm. over the last year and several stories, I think, about Kolsch. Uh, also, because you'll have del- wonderful pictures uh, <laughs> and take wonderful photos that uh, you can splice. Anyway, you've done some great work in Kolsch. We'll probably talk about smoked beer because uh, I-, I hear it's mm-hmm. National Rock Beer Month. It is National Rock Beer Month. Yep, yes. it is. Yep. As it will be next month when this episode actually it, airs. Perhaps it and will. And maybe even the month too. after that. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe every month is, is National Rock Beer Month, uh, or, or so they say. It's always Rock Beer Propaganda Month. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, you know, I, I think it's gaining steam, and we're starting to see. Uh, in fact, I, I, another brewer I was talking to yesterday was talking about how they were inspired by this being Rock Beer Month and uh, needed to make Rock That's Beer. awesome. So, Anyway, nonetheless, uh, we're going to talk about lager brewing, and maybe we'll uh, you know do some Underberg shots by the end of this. We'll see how this goes. But first, for years, G&D Chillers has chilled the beers you love, partnering with 3,000-plus breweries across the country. They are proud of the cool partnerships they've built, offering 24-7 service and support. G&D builds with non-proprietary parts, expert craftsmanship, and constant innovation. G&D's in-house engineering crew have been piping breweries, wineries, and distilleries for over 30 years. They offer free piping design and consultation with the sale of every chiller they build. Reach out for a quote today at gdchillers.com or call to discuss your next project. Also, this episode is sponsored by BSG, North America's exclusive distributor of Vireman Specialty Malts. For over 140 years, Vireman Specialty Malts has been helping brewers around the country and around the world bring authentic German flavor to their brew houses. From caramel malts to the Barca line and heirloom barley varieties, Weirman's malts are sought after and celebrated for their performance and flavor, even in breweries like this one right here. Bring a taste of Bavaria to your brew house and explore Weirman's complete portfolio at bsgcraftbrewing.com 
slash Vireman. And scheduling freight carriers should be the last thing on a brewer's mind, so why not trust the experts to handle freight for your ingredients? Old Orchard has partnered with a leading logistics firm in the craft beverage industry to transport your flavored craft concentrate blends. When you order two pails or more from Old Orchard, you qualify for freight quotes. To get started, head on over to oldorchard.com slash brewer. Okay, Hagen, you know how we start this off. Tell me the, the dovetail story. All right. So Dovetail Brewery, um, continental European style beers, traditional methods. Um, we opened our doors in 2016, um, but uh, it was founded by uh, Bill Wesselink and me. And uh, we met in beer school. Uh, we were in the Siebel Damon's uh, program. Um, we're both certified. That program has become a common theme over the last month, uh, where a lot of brewers that I've been talking to, you know, have, uh, have moved through that. That's fantastic. Uh, Brittany is in that program right now. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Little, little by little. Yeah, I can't take that much time off, but two weeks at a time. <laughs> sure, <Yep>. sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it, it it's a great program, and like it's it's had a huge influence on on American. Uh, craft beer um so yeah so we we were both from chicago and we met over there in uh uh in munich um and uh we we both uh you know we figured out pretty quickly that we we enjoyed uh doing what i call uh hands-on research and i'm moving i'm moving my beer stein to my lips here um and uh we we enjoyed the uh um you know, our, well, our favorite breweries were the small breweries of um, of continental Europe. So, uh, you know, the the, uh, the Franconian breweries, the, the Belgian breweries, the small and big in uh, in Czechia. Um, so we decided. Well, we found out. You know, going through school, like we uh, we realized that there was a common denominator between all these breweries, and uh, the common denominator was uh, traditional methods of of production. Um, and then also the more we learned about brewing, the, um, the more we understood the, um, how crucial a lot of these methods were to the um, production um, and the quality of the resulting beer. So uh, a couple of years later, we decided to, uh, to join forces. And uh, that's also the origin of the, the name Dovetail. So refers to the dovetail joint of woodworking um the uh dovetail joint is like it's the strongest joint in all of carpentry the best dovetails hold uh without glue and nails um so you know back when we started we were like all right two brewers coming together uh to to form a stronger brewery that's dovetail but um uh you know these days you know it's it's like like the the Two people that are sitting here with us today, uh, Brittany and Dan. You know, we've we've found many, many other people that um, are adding to this. You know, the, the strength of this uh, this joint. And I know that's a little corny, but I really. But if <laughs> you, yeah, you're going deep on the brand you, right if now. If you saw, yeah. if, I have if, never heard Hagen be corny. If you <laughs> <laughs> if you saw the way that we that we you know work together, you'd. You'd get it. I love I love working with these guys. Sure, sure. And so we should say that while lager is a big focus, also spontaneously, uh, you know, uh, fermented yes. beers are, are a big focus. We're sitting upstairs in the brewery right now. We're surrounded by 
a bunch of oak barrels, uh, you know, filled with some of those beers. Cool ships figure deep into your process, both on the spontaneous side and, uh, you know, on the lager side. Yep. Um, open fermentation, you know, figures into your your lager process. Uh, yep. You know, we can kind of dig through through all of these pieces, but all of this kind of approach, you know, to say traditional, we can call it traditional, but I mean, it's it's historical, but also contemporary. Yep. Um, you know, and all of these things feed into the way that you do this, obviously, you know, most people associate dovetail with lager these days, but you know, that spontaneous beer is something that you, you also do and are passionate about, even if it's not uh, a primary focus, because it's not a primary focus for really any brewery today. In the not United really, <laughs> not really. And then, and uh, the, the, um, the pandemic really put a crimp in our, in our focus on, on that beer, but we still sell a lot of it through our tap room. And you know what? We even slush it these days. You slush it, <laughs> yeah. Spawn, spawn slush. It's mm-hmm. yeah. It's a pretty amazing slushy. I bet it is. It sounds sounds delicious. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous slushy ever made, and because it's you know some of them are like five year old beers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but some of them are aged in like spirit barrels. Very fancy for a slushies. year yeah. after they've been in oak barrels for yeah. Five years. These slushies have pedigrees. Least, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can definitely taste the the mineral funk and aged hop character in this slushy. Yes. Believe it or not. Yeah. You can. I bet you can. <laughs> that, that sounds uh, ex- exquisitely populist. Uh, you know, all at once. <laughs> they're, they're so good on a hot day. They're very good. Uh, you know uh, what? Uh, I think any of us, you know, all of us that have been to Belgium understand that like while we might in America put these on some sort of pedestal, you know, that the Goose and Lambic have this kind of pedestal that uh, they're just beers. They're yep. just, they're just beers, you know, in this Belgian context, what an amazing thing sitting in the Brussels airport and you can just, you know, go by Creek, you know, uh, yeah. you know, just, just you know, from a kiosk in the, mm-hmm. the airport, like it's just the normal fruit beer. This is just what they have. And like bone Creek, like, you know, not just the kind of back Sweetened, uh, you know, uh, mass produced Lambic, like really good, you know, yeah. um, walking, you know, walking to you, like your, your normal convenience store in, in Brussels. And, and there's like as good of a selection of, of Lambic as like your most exclusive mm-hmm. bottle shop. Mm-hmm. anywhere else so while we privilege it here as some sort of rarefied thing i think that uh it is actually a wonderful yeah. thing to to demystify it and make it more accessible um and even just have fun with it i mean why not make a and that spontaneous believe it or, yeah that did kind of come into the, the accessibility of it was was a big factor like I, I feel like a lot of people are afraid of it if they've never had it before and then a lot of people when they do have it they're like whoa that's way too mm-hmm. much but throw some sugar in there and slush it up. And then slowly, you know, those same people will come back to it and get a regular pour of true Lambic and then they start to like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. It, it works. It's standard drug dealer strategy. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is the hooked. gateway. We get them hooked. Yep. Like, you make it easy. Have a right? taste of this. A little yeah. sugar. Yeah. Oh, now you're hooked. Come, come on back. I, I've got something something heavier for you. Yeah, you, you want to keep that buzz going now. Nonetheless, anyway, um, you know that's just that we're setting the framework there. We're, we're definitely going to talk about lager and cold spring because obviously that's the biggest volume of what you do, and I think it's what uh, most of our audience wants to to hear about how you do. 
um, not just from the the technical process, but obviously, you know, how you uh, connect that the, these beers out in a broader craft beer market with consumers. So because we have Dan here, we can talk about that too. Yes. Um, before we talk about that, Pro Brew is excited to announce that they are currently featuring short lead times between two and four weeks for their in-stock ProFill rotary can fillers. These can fillers run at speeds between 100 and 600 plus cans per minute while achieving precise and consistent filling volumes not achievable by most inline and mobile fillers. For more information, fill out their contact form at www.probrew.com or email contact us at probrew.com to learn exactly how they can take your operations to the next level. Probrew, brew your beer. Also, oh, you like wildly aromatic IPAs and tropical lagers? Good thing Omega designed thialized yeast for just that reason. Thialized yeast are a new tool for brewers to bring intense guava and passion fruit aromas out of your malt and hops. And wait, there's more. Omega Yeast makes yeast to order with a consistent one-week lead time, ensuring peak freshness and reliability. We're here in Chicago in the home of Omega Yeast, and uh, and so it's all, it's fitting to mention them through this. But let's talk about uh, let's talk about lager. You know, you all set out Hagen to make lager in using traditional methods. Um, what are some of the parameters that you all set up for yourselves? And uh, you know, what are some of those kind of key posts? Um, decoction figures into it. Like I said, cool ship actually figures into it. And even with this latest iteration of Pilsner figures into it even more, you've got uh, some techniques around cool ship hopping for those. And then of course, open fermentation also figures into it. Uh, you know, talk to me about some of the, uh, some of these kind of key, you know, uh, uh, touchstones of what traditional methods have meant to you and what, you know, how you have found them to impact the, the quality flavor, um, uh, of your beer. We actually set up to make Rauk beer. Really? That was all we wanted to do. And then, <laughs> and then you decided <laughs> you needed people to buy the beer. <laughs> yep. Um, no, yeah. So, so, um, so it, it, you know, it's, it, it's funny, you know. Um, it's the typical live oak strategy, right? Like, <laughs> we just want to make Rauk beer. But if we make a couple of other beers that people also want to buy, then we can make all the Rauk beer that we want. Right. Yeah. So, so when we, um, when we started, we started with, um, we, we launched with four, well, three beers, but making the fourth. So we, um, we launched with, um, a lager that we call lager, a, <laughs> a, a, a Hefeweizen that we call Hefeweizen and a Rauk beer. And, that you don't call Rauk beer. That we, that we call, that we call beer. Rauk beer. Okay. We do call we do call it Rauk beer. And uh, and then we started that first year. We started brewing spontaneously fermented beer that we do not call lambic uh, because it is not lambic. It is whatever whatever you do with that same kind of production method in in Chicago. It's lambic inspired. We call it vignette. Um, so it's not um, method traditionnel. No, I don't need, we no nobody no. can agree what that even is. Right. <laughs> um so um so what did yeah, so what did we look at uh, to to make to make these beers? Like what what went into the what went into the equation? Um first of all it was um it was having a having uh uh good sources of malt. Um so we we import our own malt um from uh, a Another producer in Bamberg, uh, but we use all of our specialty malt is uh, is Weirman malt, and for a lot of our uh, for a lot of our one-offs and seasonals, we use Weirman. Um, 
but like I think Bomberg is blessed by having like two like world class monsters in that in that town. Um, plus, I think don't don't two of the breweries still make their sure, own sure. malt? Yeah, yeah. Spezial so. and uh, Schlinkerla still all make their own malt. Pretty amazing. Um, and then we decided um, after like uh, vi- both visiting uh, Pilsner Urquell um, and um, uh, and after experiencing uh, a water tasting uh, in um, in at Damon's because Damon's has a water sommelier, a uh, water sommelier. That's what I said. <laughs> so I I laughed about it, and then 15 <laughs> minutes later I was like, I'm the biggest asshole because <laughs> this guy blew my mind oh i i bet i mean blew that sounds awesome and i'm glad that that title exists in the world it was it was inc- it was incredible it was in- so 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 you know you you go to pills and Urquell, you go on the, go on the you know we were we don't know anybody so we just we were on the on the, the tour and and you you taste the you taste the beer um you taste the beer there and you know that there's something you know there's always this talk of the water Right, but when you taste the beer from the cellar, like you're like, oh, there really is something different there. And then we went through this water tasting where we tasted different different types of water, different hardnesses, and um, uh, and then I actually I once went to um, there's a there's a brewery called Hofstetten in uh, in Austria um, that is on the on the side of the Danube that gets its water from the same uh, aquifer that Pilsen where Pilsen gets its gets its water and their beer had that kind of that same like really soft character so we decided to make our own water and to make uh make a soft water that uh, gets as close as possible to the um the mineral composition of uh Pilsen water then there's the brew house so the so the uh we designed the brew house to be like completely flexible and be able to do like any kind of any kind of mash that we saw fit to do whether it was decoction mashing step mashing turbid mashing what what whatever we can we can do it on that uh on that brew house and and we um uh decided that um we needed a kettle that was direct fire um so we've got a direct, really yep okay yep so that's a, a bold choice today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, some people use another word. <laughs> but, but yeah. We'll we, stick with bold. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Uh, what's, um, it, what's the other word? Like what? Batshit crazy? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just so we're clear. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, what? Why? Why would. What was it about a direct fire kettle that you felt was going to help make these beers exactly what you wanted them to be um mayard uh mayard production yeah so so that's like the that's like kind of the top level one like like if you in in order in order of priority there are some some of the other things you could do with a with steam decoction but the mayard production was uh was key uh to that Um, so this is direct fire in the decoction vessel and, and the kettle, the boil kettle. Okay. Yeah. That, the, our decoction vessel and our kettle are the same. Okay. Uh, same vessel, uh, and we so for for brewers out there, we have a four vessel brew house. We have a mash tun, uh, a, a, a direct fire kettle, a louder tun, and a 
what we call a holding vessel. Some people call it a wort receiver. Um, and we do, like when we do multiple turns in a day, um, we can brew in parallel. And that was the train going by. <laughs> that was the metro train rolling right <laughs> by was, the brewery here. If you if you heard that, we're dovetail is located between two train lines. Between two trains. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do my. Yeah, That's a new podcast. My best Zach Galifianakis <laughs> yeah. impression right there. <laughs> so why is your beer so terrible? <laughs> 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 all right maybe i'm not going to do that uh, like, like you were saying you know so there's something to that that direct using that kettle as your decoction vessel and right. also you know, using you know, direct fire to produce the kind of maillard reactions yep the, the maillard reactions are key uh, it's um it's uh you know if you if you watch the video we go we we go into it in in pretty big detail but it's like putting your own putting your thumbprint uh on the beer um, it's funny in, you say that because actually, you know, I was talking to Greg Brown, who's now at Art History, yeah. uh, yesterday, and he was saying the same exact thing. He's like, "I was working well, this chart at Pilsner Quell, and it's like there's a little fire under their decoction vessel, like, you know." And so, yeah, that same kind of piece, that direct fire, you know, kind of approach in order to, you know, those guys. Uh, so, so um, for everybody that knows who who Doctor Narcissus is, Doctor Narcissus was, you know, he was great man he was the pope of you right. know, of german brewing right um he tried to convince pilsner urquell to to go away from direct from decoction completely and then just from direct fire and they they were like nope this is the key this is the key to our our brewing so uh yeah if it's good enough for them Good enough, <laughs> sure, good enough sure. for a little dovetail but we're drinking czech pilsner now and it, it actually doesn't uh you know i don't doesn't look as dark as I might expect. So even though you are pushing this, pushing this kind of flavor element through that direct fire decoction, uh, you know, it, it you found a way to have it not necessarily impact color as much as uh, we might it, think it would. It does. It, it does impact color. And if we if we put this up against our our Hellas, yeah. you would see it. So we so we um um if if you if you put our our Kolsch, Hellas, and and our Pilsner side by side, you would see. You would see subtle difference yeah. between the uh, between the three, uh, and you definitely see the effect when because we've got a sight glass on the return, so you you sure. see the uh, you see the going effect in and coming, coming back out. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. right. Yep, yep. Um, and then uh, there's a cool ship. Every one of our beers goes through a cool ship. All uh, of them. Every single beer, every okay. single turn goes. We don't have a whirlpool. Um, we use the cool ship to uh, to let the hot troop. Uh, drop out to uh, let the um, uh, the 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 wort drop from boiling to like scalding. Sure. Um, and uh, uh, it's it's a it's a nice way to kind of get rid of like the trace DMS that uh, precursor that's mm. still left in uh in the wort at the end of the uh, of the boil most of it'll be most of it'll be driven off during the boil but i i think there's there's still just enough trace that that it'll get blown off due to the high uh um surface to to volume uh ratio how long do, does a lager sit in the cool ship then from the time we pump over to the time we're done knocking out it's a little less than two hours Right, but um, it's it's about an hour from 
time we start to pump over to the time we open up the uh, open up the drain for knockout, and then um, yeah, and then another about fifty minutes. Sure, five zero. Yeah, and we'll talk later about yeah. some of the hopping strategy that you do, even with loggers now in the cool ship, which yes. is kind of cool and. and you know, maybe a little different, obviously, since most brewers in the United States are not brewing with you know through a cool ship. Most some are, not. are, some are. I, Crooked Stave, I think, still puts all of their beers through through a cool ship. Mm. And uh, um, I think Peak Skill, yeah, yeah. I think OEC, okay, does at least one or two cool ship oh, loggers. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. And so the the last reason that we use a cool ship is just kind of a this uh, this magical thing that we believe is there that. Probably most people listening will say I'm full of shit. But, <laughs> um, uh, there's there's some kind of a harmony that that comes from a beer that has a little rest in a cool ship. It's a harmony between all the elements of the beer, and I have no idea why it's there. I just know it's there, and I've tasted it in cool shipped, uh, let's say cool shipped lagers from. Uh, from the old world and it and i've been able to pick that pick those beers out that were done in in a cool ship and it i it's hard to it's really hard to describe other than a harmony yeah cohesion yeah yeah interesting what do you you know if you're thinking about why what do you think the process is that happens through that cool ship versus a heat exchanger it's magic. Although you're it still you're still running it through a heat exchanger magic. after can I, that. Can I can I tell you the the truth? Yeah, I don't give a damn <laughs> because I've got too much else on my mind. <laughs> it just works. It, works. it just works. Yeah. I would love to. I would love to like someday like you know like work with the university to understand what what it what it was. But you know we're just trying to. It's not like we're, there's, we're, yeah, there's not a measurable to, scale for right. cohesion. Like, you <laughs> know, how would you measure <laughs> cohesion? Right. right. Yeah. And so, and then we do, uh, we do open fermentation um, because we have a philosophy about yeast. Uh, and our philosophy is that uh, yeast are like people. Uh, they like sugar. Uh, they like to reproduce. And they don't like stress. <laughs> so, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, in the case of, so, so it was, uh, one of the beers that we launched with was the Hefeweizen, right? And the Hefeweizen, had, there, there, there are two technical aspects to it. Like it, it needs to have, it needs to have those those esters that banana, those, that banana and clove, and it needs to have them in a pretty high volume. Um, and the the yeast or Hefeweizen yeast is pretty stress intolerant. So uh, even if you even if you ferment in a uh, vented CCV, you're going to get suppressed, um, suppressed aromas. Um, it's that it, it's that sensitive to to stress, to to head pressure. So the key is remove the head pressure. We we get a pretty we get a pretty decent uh, decent amount of of aroma from that. Yeah, how does that impact with uh, lager fermentation? The way the, so the way I look at it is uh, is that all yeast prizes a low stress environment. So what's good for a stress intolerant yeast is also good for a yeast that may be more stress, uh, stress tolerant. Uh, so I, I mean, I just, I think you get a, I, I think what you get is a cleaner, um, 
uh, like in the case of lager, right? You get a you, you get uh, lager is, in my opinion, is supposed to be a showcase of of malt and hops, and the yeast kind of you know gets out of the way. Um, uh, it does its work, but it but it a lot it it allows the malt and hops to to shine, and and I I think you're just helping the you're helping the lager yeast do that. Were there specific German breweries using open fermentation, or German or Czech breweries using open fermentation that uh, you know whose beers inspired you to pursue this? Because obviously, you know that is a different, more challenging brew house build out than when you need to build rooms that can handle open fermentation in, yep. a, in a, you know, a clean kind of way. Most of the most of the small breweries are doing are are doing open fermentation. Um, uh, I mean, even Pilsner or Quell and their their uh, cavern, uh, you know, is, is making right, open so, fermented beer. So definitely, right, the Pilsner yeah. or Quell, the, the the QC batch that they're always brewing in the QC yeah, batch, yeah, sure. the yeah. tour, the tour, the batch. tour batch, yeah. right, that they're always brewing down there. Yeah. Um, I say that with love. I say, that yeah, with love. like, um, but that is the most unique Pilsner or Quell, and and it it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Um, but we so we had a good opportunity in uh, in beer school. Um, there was a uh, there was a hawker um, there was a hawker like uh, uh, brew pub that we got to brew on, uh, and they brewed the same recipe like hawker lager in in Munich, but they brewed it with with open fermentation and horizontal lagering. Oh wow! You know, and they, and you know, at the big hawker brewery, they're doing it in they're doing it in CCVs. Yeah, and it was that was an amazing beer. Huh. It was. It was. It you was to really so, taste the one to one difference. Yeah, it was so much different and so much better than. How would the, you, when you say different and better? What what was it? If you can dive back into that memory. Um, so they so they also did decoctions there. So so it was it was maltier. It was overall like like um, gentler, a, a a gentler and easier to drink. If, I, if just to sum it up, it was it was a really easy to drink beer. Where whereas the regular hawker was like a notch up in effort, if you know what I mean. Like drink sure. drinkability, Maybe a little if, bit more firm, and right. Yeah. If there's that drinkability scale of like of like zero to zero to ten, hawker the regular hawker might be like a like a six and a half, and the and and the the um, uh, the the brew pub hawker was probably like an Eight to eight, eight to eight and a half. Yeah, interesting. Huh. On the patented dose drinkability scale, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna codify this uh, and and create a uh, reproducible standard for the the dose drinkability scale. No, yeah, you know it. it, it Obviously, within uh, you know that kind of German and Czech lager brewing, we've had some f- like some of the most interesting and compelling one you know beers for brewers, whether that's Schönram. Um, you know, in Southern Germany or whether like it's Unitica, you know, outside of on the edge of Prague, uh, like lot, like this is a very common thread that, that open fermentation, uh, you mm. know, it becomes a kind of a key piece in, in helping these beers become what they are. Um, what, what does that framework for open fermentation look like for you all? How, you know, how long, and then what was that mm. process look like? Don't you point at me. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, my 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 theory on open fermentation. I when I started here, well, I didn't start in the cellar. I started washing kegs, and then I went to the packaging line, and then I went to the cellar. 
which is like my true meteoric <laughs> rise. <laughs> Four years later, here I am. Um, well, technically, I started in the tap room. If we're gonna get real, real technical. <laughs> But to me, I always say that open fermentation is just the romance of what we do. Because mm. you just have an up-close relationship. And also, skimming was definitely my favorite part of the job. Favorite part of the job? Yeah, yeah. I just, Why? Well, it's like meditative. Yeah. And I got great traps from it, too. <laughs> that's, that's interesting <laughs> that, you that say that. That stainless steel paddle is quite heavy, but... I was just going to just say that's interesting you say that because when I think of open fermentation and like the first experience I had with it um, besides this brewery was with uh, Zuner in Köln, Germany, and they brew um, and, and use open fermentation. And when uh, the tour guide was explaining like why they did it, um, it was it was emphasized that the brewer had just more contact with the beer. It was a more... I don't know, intimate relationship. It is. It is um, intimate. And I thought that was really, really right. cool. Um, but I've never heard you say well, that. Well, you have to be a real and nerd, that... I guess, to think that. But <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I mean, I've always thought that. I mean, I don't go in there and touch it with my hands or anything like that. But you see it every day. Mm -hmm. I also have about a thousand pictures of Croizen on my phone. It's actually, it's ridiculous. But it <laughs> looks so beautiful most of the time. Like meringue. Or cookies. Anyway, and because I'm getting way into the no, weeds no, on this. No, no, because it's so there, you know, and apparent, you, you know, if there's any ever any issues, you also become very attuned to that. Because oh, yeah. You, when I was, you understand what it should look like in, mm -hmm. on any given day. Absolutely. Where it probably should be. And or even not, smell like. Yes, right. especially so, smell like. Yeah. yeah. So we were yeah. talking about the Hefeweizen, and you know when it's, when it's going. You can even smell it up here on the second floor. But it's just like baked banana bread down there. It's, it smells wonderful. Um, but that's another thing is like, I know if I, I come in the second day, if the aroma is off, like it didn't attenuate as much as I would have wanted it to overnight after the pitch or it had a party. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're down there enough. You start to realize just in the smell or visually looking at it, like how it did before you take the actual gravity. It's kind of crazy. I never thought I would have said that when I first started working here, but it's, it's very true. You do you do have a very intimate relationship with really the beer cool. yeah. versus a CCV where you know at that point you have to measure it because it's not giving you those instant signals. Right. I mean, sure. we do measure it every day because we like data. <laughs> yeah. I need to know what's happening all the time, but um, you do you kind of know when you walk down there what's going on. It's a good point, and yeah, that that first what. Four to four to seven days is hugely, hugely mm -hmm. key. Mm -hmm. So you were talking about schedule. So um, our Hefeweizens are four days easy. I mean, they are the same all the time. They're probably, they're not my favorite beer to drink. I do love them, but they're my favorite beer to work with here because they're so predictable. <laughs> um, but we generally rack, move our beer from the um, open fermentation to the secondary horizontal lagering tanks um, when the beer is about like 72 to 75% attenuation. So mm -hmm. that's why we continuously measure because we want to make sure. Um, but Hefeweizen is usually down there for four days. Same for the Kolsch. Um, we've had some some wheat and ale beers go through, get get up to 75% attenuation in three days, depending on. Saison. Yeah. Grzyzki. Yep. Yeah. So. That all depends on, obviously, the pitch and how much sugar it has to eat and the temperature. All sure. those things vary, but 
Um, most of the lagers are like five to eight days in open fermentation before we move them. Is there any, are there any other pillars there um, in terms of, you know, say natural carbonation or other, other pieces that uh, also fit into this definition of traditional brewing for you all? So we do miss out on a little bit of like um, the initial CO2 production. Right. Obviously that's just going into the, into the ether, so to speak. Um, so we do have to give it a little bit more later on in life. Most of the beers, um, we, we let vent after we rack them for 24 to 48 hours. It just depends on how much they continue to attenuate. And secondary, um, we like to, to spoon like about one, one degree Play-Doh from what we think the final will be right. based off of fermentation tests that we do. But um, we do have to give it a bit more CO2 than maybe, than maybe you would if you, sure. if you weren't using open fermentation. But it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, I want to talk about uh, some of the specific designs of some of, of your beers. Um, but before we do that, brewers, are you looking for the best beer, mead, and cider recipes on the planet? Join the American Homebrewers Association to unlock the 2023 National Homebrew Competition medal-winning recipes. American Homebrewers Association members have access to nearly 1,400 trusted and tested recipes, plus a Zymergy Magazine subscription, exclusive discounts, live webinars, instruction videos, and more. Please sign up for a membership by December 31st, 2023, and select a free brewing book at $25 value. Learn more at homebrewersassociation.org slash CBB pod. Also, brewers need a competitive edge to stay ahead in this market, and Lotus is here to provide that edge with flexible financing solutions. Lotus Beverage Alliance is introducing financial tools tailored exclusively for the needs of brewers and other beverage makers. For the first time, you can utilize your equipment loan to not only purchase essential brewing equipment, but also ingredients, small parts, and other consumables. Reach out today to take your craft to the next level. Visit Lotus Beverage Alliance at lotusbevalliance.com. Well, next, I want to I want to talk about uh, some of the specific. There beers. was so there was something that that uh, Brittany oh, yeah? uh, mentioned that is also pretty pretty crucial to the to the open fermentation. That's the skimming. Yeah. Uh, so we we do like the, I think the Germans call it a dirt skim. Mm-hmm. Um, we so so during that during the first day of uh, of Kreuzen, you get a lot of like hop polyphenols, like these dark brown hop polyphenols that rise to the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you allow those hop polyphenols to sink back in to the, um, to the beer, um, the, the, those polyphenols are, um, as, alcohol, as the alcohol content rises, those polyphenols um, have, uh, are more soluble in higher mm-hmm. alcohol content. Uh, beer, so they don't just necessarily settle out at the bottom of the tank. Exactly. So, okay. they, so they go back into solution, and those those um, uh, those those flavors impart kind of a harshness to mm-hmm. it. So it's probably one of the reasons that like the the hocker like open fermented stuff was better than the than the normal like hocker lager because you know you 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 get rid of those and you don't you don't give them a chance to like add harshness mm-hmm. and harshness is less drinkability. I, you know, it comes down to that concept of fineness, right? You know, and that's the way that most of the Czech and German brewers will describe it is this fine bitterness, fine hop character. 
yeah. you know, and producing that kind of fineness involves pulling out some of the unwanted, uh, you know, hop characters they can come because, you know, again, you're using large volumes of actual hops. You're using yep. very low alpha hops and you're using them in a really significant volume of those. And so there, mm-hmm. along with that comes a lot of other flavor. Yep. Right. We used to skim every day of the beer's life it was down there and then we realized we were maybe overshooting the basket a little bit so we really only do the initial you know dirt skim i don't know why i used quotes you guys can't see me (laughs) um and then we skim the day of the rack just to make it easier to see like you know what's happening what's happening with the beer i've i noticed because when we first decided to do it i was like a little worried it was going to impact the flavor in a negative way but i did notice a difference but it was it, it skewed towards the positive. I think it. I mean, and it, it it was probably in my head. I don't know, but I feel like it it left just a touch more character mm. in the beer. Like maybe we were cleaning too much off with every with every like a skim every day. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So the first skim good, second, third, fourth skim bad. It, I mean, I wouldn't say bad, but unnecessary. And maybe there was too much work. Yeah. Well, it was definitely too much work. Cleaning that spoon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have four. So you got the result have, that you wanted to get, right. uh, you know, from this uh, sensory impact. Of mm-hmm. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we definitely would have gone. We would have reverted back if there were any negative impacts. Sure. We would never, ever, ever allow that. But luckily it had a good impact. Yeah. Well, let's, I, let's talk about some of the specific beers. You know, maybe we'll start with the, you know, Czech Pale Lager, Czech Pilsner. Um, you know, in terms of design of that specific beer now you've got we've we've established some of the you know kind of core components of your traditional approach to brewing um let's talk about some of the you know specifics in, in some of these beers and how and why you know you've made the aesthetic choices that you have you know in in building these specific beers you know with your with your check pilsner you know where where did that specific recipe then start knowing that it was going to go through this process if you don't mind, I'm, I'm just going to talk about three beers like Perfect. Sim- simultaneously. That's great. So we have three beers, um, our Kolsch, our Helles Lager, and our Pilsner. And they have almost the same. We're driving this line right through yeah. uh, through Europe there. Well, maybe it <laughs> yeah. takes down a little bit, and, you know, but. Uh, yeah, no, right. that's that's true. I, I, yeah. loved it. I love to use that that geography when I talk when I talk about these beers. Yeah. So, um so, so those three beers have basically the same malt bill. Like it's hundred percent Pilsner malt, and it's a it's and they're right around the same the same ABV, right around the same grist charge, but they're three completely different processes sure. in in the brew house, uh, and and they have they have different hops too. They have di- different levels of bitterness, um, but. Um, uh, the the place that you notice the differences in the maltiness in the body. Um, well, the Kolsch the Kolsch is slightly different in that it has a little bit of wheat. Ours does at least. Um, so, uh, but our Kolsch is a step mash. Our Hellas is a single decoction, and our Pilsner is a triple decoction. Um, so you'll see like slightly different. Uh, color uh, you'll see a, like a little color gradation sure, sure. Kolsch being the lightest pilsner being the being being the darkest um 
and you you get a different level of of body. So the Kolsch, I would say, is um, somewhere somewhere low to low to medium. Uh, the 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 Hellas is kind of a medium minus. Let's say uh, the the Pilsner is is pretty pretty full full bodied uh, beer, not like a you know, not like a stout, like a sure, heavy sure. stout would be, but it's as far as a pale lager goes, it's a it's a full bodied beer, um, and so the so so that's one of the um, that's that that choice in the brew house of uh, choice of process so. Decoction is almost like a like a throttle on maltiness and body, and if you if you want if you want something that's light bodied, don't don't do a decoction. <laughs> sure, sure, or, sure, or don't do a thick decoction, right? Like because there's also there, there's also another choice in there yeah. too when you're doing decoction. Like you can either do you can either pull a thick mash or a thin mash. So our our Hellas is a thin mash. And and what uh, what's the effect of that? Um. Just le- uh, less Maillard reaction, right? More so, water, keeps so, the, right? So, yeah. so fewer, fewer like limit dextrins in the uh, in the, the final uh, mixture. And then a thicker mash then for the the Czech Pilsner. This the one that we're drinking today is three thick mashes. Three thick mashes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So we we have a, a stirring paddle and we just slow down the stirring paddle and pull all the thick stuff out. Out and over, and why why do it that way? Just because more Mayard, more more maltiness, yeah. Um, balance out balance out the uh, the stronger IBU. Um, uh, let the let let the, the let the bitterness shine, kind of on the on the back end uh, of it because the the maltiness like takes over on the front end. Like in it's it's very easy to. It's very easy to, to swallow. You know, you get you get like maltiness, sweetness, and then that nice bitter. It's like just that nice that nice aftertaste. And I think the the hellas comes in like the, the bitterness comes in maybe a little a little earlier. And the bitterness, you know, they like use the bitterness to to make it get, you know, give it a depth of character. Um, uh, throughout, and you also use the sulfur, so there's a that that cellaring comes into play too. Using mm-hmm. the sulfur, um, and these are all the same <laughs> Pilsner base malt. Then, yes. Okay. Well, not the, the latest. Technically, no. Oh, right. okay, okay. Usually, so, yes. Well, typically, right. yeah. The one that we're drinking at the table here uses uh, Weyermann, uh floor malted. Okay, that's a first for us. We've just we've kind of we're we're always playing around with our our Bohemian Pilsner to you know. To, to, I'm, it's probably mostly me. It's like I'm chasing this. I had this Pilsner once at a at a trade show, and it was from uh, Jetetz, and it was amazing. And I'm like, in my head, I've got this Pilsner in my head that I'm chasing. So what is it about, uh, you know, this floor malted Pilsner uh, versus your typical, you know, Pilsner that, you know, ha- now that you are tasting this beer mm. in its finished form, how does that? To vary? me, it reads. To me, it's it's more biscuit, less bread. Huh. Is is what I get from it. Um, we also changed the the hopping a, a touch on this one. We just did even more cool ship hops on this one, per Hagen's request. 
um, part <laughs> Even of that more hops. Part you're, of that you, chase he was talking about, right. um, which no matter what malt we use in the future, it's definitely something I want to keep doing because yeah. I notice the difference. The hops are so expressive in this; it's so nice. Um, when you say more, what does what does more mean? Quantity, yeah, or more, yeah. And and how are you adding more? We're literally throwing more in the cool ship. So cool <laughs> ship hopping. Tell me about that. Um, so we're, what we're trying to do is um, like we, we kind of set. We're, we're trying to separate or to separate even more the effect of the hops. So like. You know, there's like in the kettle, there's there's early, early, middle, late hopping, right? And then the extreme is dry hopping, right? Where you just, where you're getting, you're getting pure aroma. So we're adding another step in between where um, when we, when the cool ship temperature reaches below um, like, iso like isomerization optimum, we throw in uh, we throw in a whole bunch more hops in order just to extract oils in order to not blow blow off those uh, uh, those those volatiles and try to try to keep them in the beer until the until the very end just and like those hazy brewers just and you're uh, <laughs> you're cool pooling you know, exactly is that your, what your, is that what they do? That's what it's called. Cool. I'm, I'm in here all the time. Cool I don't know pooling. what the, I don't know what the kids do. It's very days. hot, uh, you know, in hazy IPA. Well, it's it's not hot, and you know, it's actually cool, semi hot, you know. Uh, but yeah, bringing that down to 170, 180, 160 sometimes, and then you know, then we're pulling Fahrenheit. Your hops. Yeah, that's Fahrenheit. Yeah, that's Fahrenheit. <laughs> we're, me we're metric. Yeah, <laughs> I'm already like in my head. Celsius. What would that be? Okay, Euro snobs. <laughs> Um, no, no yeah. interesting. The you know no, it's a, uh, the same kind of process. It's the same thing, yeah. yeah. So we so um, so we we did a cool thing this year uh, where we um, uh, we 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 did our first collab with another brewery and uh, we collabed with uh, with Revolution mm -hmm. um, here in here in town and uh, we brought we brought the method and they brought the hops and and uh, we created this thing we called Hopfenlager. And we, they were like, they're like numbered hops and we just threw like a metric crap ton of, <laughs> of hops into, into the cool ship, but like calculated it out uh, to, uh, to, you know, it was like, it was a, it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It was really, it was ridiculous. It I think was it so was, good. it was like five kilos of, mm -hmm. of hops per, uh, Per per turn in into the cool ship and it yeah yeah it just extracted aroma like crazy like it was like this peach yep. kind of thing yep. going on it was beautiful peach and stone fruit pineapple mm. it was fantastic never uh, in a million years would I have thought we would be putting experimental hops mm -mm. I mean we we did in that anything we've done that before mm, yeah just not yeah, to the we not did to this my time. lemon drop Denali <laughs> yep. Years ago, five years ago, yeah, yeah. We're not against, you know, like that. I think, I think people, you know, like people, people think like we're like traditionalists and whatever because we use traditional methods. We're like, it's actually not, not true. We use traditional methods, but we we love we love beer and we love certain styles of beer and we want to do what we, we want to try try different things with those too when we can. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. I think that it, when we can is the big 
the big one. When we, we have can. so many ideas and so many crazy, crazy thoughts and recipes rolling around here, but as yep. a part of lager brewing, it takes a really long time, so we don't have as much as much time to play around. Mm, sure, as we would like. Well, I'm I'm still curious again talking about this and this kind of you know Czech Pilsner or Czech uh, Svetli Lezak uh, 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 kind of context pumping even more hops than through this cool ship, um, you know, through this kind of, you know, temperature way. I imagine, or is this all Saz hops or do mm-hmm. you use some other Czech varieties? And all Saz. hundred percent. All Saz all the time. Okay. okay. <laughs> Nothing Just wrong with that, but there is a broader world of Czech hops out there that are also fantastic and everyone should, should be exploring those too. Nonetheless. Um, Wait, what we're, so we're trying to lobby the, um, uh, the, the Czech, uh, Czech government to get us get us over there to experience these. Yeah, mm-hmm. you haven't been yet. <laughs> no, I, mean, I know some people. <laughs> <laughs> it is an eye opening experience to, to uh, get into it there. I bet I'm down I for bet. some R and D for yep. sure. Yep. Absolutely. Um, you, you know, but in this terms of this intensity, obviously you're talking about throwing you know very low alpha hops with a lot then a lot of plant matter versus you mm-hmm. know some of uh, um, you know the kind of oil bitterness. Et cetera, that, that you're adding, you know, how does that, that play into this? And is there something to that cool ship hopping process? Because you're not dry hopping the, this beer. You know, there's something to that cool ship process versus the hot side hops um, and changing that balance that, that impacts, you know, specifically this version of the, of the check pills. I think you get more of like, I don't know the true science behind this. In my opinion, you get more of that vegetative kind of character when it's, you know, in the kettle. Than, than versus the cool ship. Like I feel like the cool ship, you kind of just sidestep that mm. a little bit and you're only really getting all the good stuff. Because we've, we've had issues in the past where, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of the crops in the, over the last couple of years have not been as high alphas as I'm sure all of the brewers would like. Um, and we've and had it some it gets issues. worse with this crop. Yeah, year. I know. Even worse. I've heard. Yeah. I've yeah. heard. Um, but we've had some issues where I've thought, you know, that's it's too much, and, and we have to split the difference, kind of, to get to a point where it's a, it's a happy marriage between the hop character we want, the IBU we want, and kind of avoiding that that real, you know, overly vegetative kind of character that comes across sometimes when you have to use a lot. Yeah, we bought we bought some hops on the spot market. Uh, that was t- early twenty twenty two. And and they were not they were Styrian Goldings and they were meant for our for our Vienna, and they weren't the best. Let's say <laughs> they weren't the they, they might, weren't the worst. They, they weren't were. the worst, but they weren't the best. But yeah, twenty twenty two was all kinds of all kinds of problems mm-hmm. because we were we mm-hmm. were also dealing with like uh, uh, like usually our malt uh, is pretty predictable, like six to eight week lead times. Um, and we had a we had a batch that was like sixteen weeks at at the worst of like all that supply chain stuff. Sure. And and it was the same with same with the hops. So. But we pay close attention. Sure. Yeah. You know, make sure that the beer is still tasting how we want it to. But yeah, I think your point is good, Brittany, about that. Like that because because we really like you're working, you're working the hops in the kettle. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're ex- you're extracting everything, mm-hmm. and then. And then in the cool ship, and you're, you're cooking and concentrating yes. at the same time. Right. Yes. And then in the cool ship, you're just you're you're extracting the uh, uh, the most extractable compounds, right? And, and you're not 
driving driving the the other compounds out. Sure, sure. Well, maybe we get back to wa- like watching this like three beer arc through there. Uh, you know, I we I got totally distracted on Pilsner. It happens. It's normal. Um, yeah. But now, you know, wa- walking with those other two beers alongside Pilsner, you know, Hellas, Munich style Hellas, and uh, or is it you call it Munich style Hellas? We call I it. Shouldn't, I shouldn't. I mean, I shouldn't assume that it is. It's uh, you know Hellas on, on the brought. side of the can. It does say Munich style. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it's a Munich style Hellas. That's the intent. Yeah. Yep, yeah. that is the intent. Yep. So from this kind of hot side, everything goes in the cool ship. Obviously, now this latest iteration of of uh, you know, or, or is there anything else to that boil process? Or is everything boiled in the same kind of you know time frame? Um, or is there any you know? Obviously, you mentioned you know the difference between the step mash decoction and triple decoction. Um, you know, is there any other piece on the hot side that varies between those three beers? The length of uh, the length of decoction boil on the Pilsner is twenty minutes versus fifteen uh, for the Hellas. Um, but yeah, the uh, it's simply to drive a little more color through yep, that. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I mean, but even fifteen minutes for the Hellas is still pushing malt character in that too. Yeah. Trying to build that kind for, of richness and heft. For sure. Ri- yeah. Little a little bit of richness in a beer that's otherwise like pretty pretty light pretty light and drinkable. Yeah. We'll keep harping back on that, that Hellas is not a minimalist beer. It's not meant to it be is nothing. Not. It's not a crispy boy in that mm-hmm. sense. It, uh, no, it's supposed to have something something to it. It's got to have it's got to have depth, like like this balance of depth and light and lightness. And and like I, I think I mentioned the, the sulfur, like it mm-hmm. needs that that little bit of, of sulfur mm-hmm. uh, character to it to to to, um, to help it out. You know, to give it another another level of uh, of depth. Well, let's skip forward into fermentation and then talk about that. You know, because with open fermentation, one would assume that you're blowing a lot of that sulfur character off. You know, initially through a that. lot, but certainly not all. Okay. Sometimes these things, <laughs> these beers come through, and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. That's <laughs> crazy. Do you only do you use the same yeast for all three of these? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Um, Kolsch is, oh, oh. is the biggest offender. Right, of course. Kolsch and it's obviously a Kolsch yeast. Um, the biggest offender. It is, truly. It's, it's truly, yes. It's on your, your list. I I know when it's being racked and I walk through the secondary. <laughs> I'm like, who farted in here? <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, Kolsch has some of those, you know, Kolsch has a little bit of esters that we don't want to blow off, too. So you have to be very, there's a fine line. Okay. Between getting rid of the sulfur and, and keeping all the, the good stuff in. How do you do that? Um, <laughs> uh, practice, like, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like another nose. part of the romance. I think you every beer is different. And it's um, just timing, understanding where that yeah, is in a given yeah. point. The Kolsch is more predictable because it's like a fresh pitch every time. Um, with our lagers, depending on the age of, of the yeast, you know, what generation it's at, it could, it could produce more or less sulfur. So, you know, hellas to hellas to hellas isn't always the same amount of time of uh, scrubbing. And it's, it's never the same amount of time of scrubbing. Right. So each, I mean, each beer is its own complete personality. It's, separate but, but, and, from it's, the next. and it's, the, it's like, it's just experience of the seller person yep. too. So, so mm-hmm. Matt, our, Matt, our, our seller lead has, has dialed in something fierce. I feel like our beers, I, 
is tasting and smelling better than it ever has. So we also used to be very much like any sulfur, except for a touch on the Hellas. Yep. No, we can't have any of that. And I, we've slowly, like with anything, especially with us that we do here, I mean, we're, all, we're ever evolving, you know, and, and I took, this was way back when I took Hagen to Vienna and I was like, there's still a touch of sulfur on it. And Hagen was like, I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right right and so and, it's just and, and that, yeah, but it that also was a helps yeah. it also helps keep in some more of the the hop character on the nose you know sometimes you can get over aggressive and scrub some of that off too so and you just really dialed it in matt right. matt has become very uh, close to the and beers but, yeah and i I'm like i i noticed it like when so 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 at, at the beginning matt matt was ta- was bringing a lot more samples out to for for us because he wanted to calibrate his mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. his nose to our to our noses, and then and then at some point we reached like calibration, and it's really like it is really dialed in, right? Like, it's, like especially on the especially on the Hellas, mm-hmm. but yeah, we ha- and we have gone up in like what, where we where we think uh, an acceptable sulfur is on on Vienna, on release, because it does get so we don't filter. Right. Or, or fine any of our beers um, uh, and it does get taken up by the residual yeast like slowly over the over the life of it so like you, the same batch on draft in the tap room like you can you can taste the change sure. over, over time is there anything to shaping that I mean you know there are different expressions of sulfur you know there's that kind of eggy sulfur that can, oh yeah, can yeah. Be, that's a flaw. Yeah, right. no, no, no H two S in here, just SO two. Yep. <laughs> so just the just the match, little matchstick, match touch a right. matchstick. That yeah, any anything that's farty is is a flaw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you and it's, it's, I've, I've and tasted a few of those out there and in it's, the world, it, and it's farty when it's first moved. Not all the time, but some of the time, and then it's just blown off over time i mean we we scrub our beer so we push in through the carb stone while sim- simultaneously yeah. venting it you know and that normally you don't, the beer only really needs that for a day i would think and then we just you know carve it up through the carb yeah, that's stone a, that's kind venting. of a modern that's a modern method mm-hmm. right you can you can you can push you, you can you can scrub your you can scrub your beer you don't have to wait for 16 weeks in the you thank can clean it up like, before you condition God. it rather than just, just <laughs> right. laying it out. Sure. There's, a, sure. there's a certain level to our stupid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we get, you know, in, in the middle but of... But Dan still has to sell some of this right. beer. Right? So we got to get it out there. And, uh, you know, can't keep it in tanks forever, guys. <laughs> Dan would leave us if our beer took 16 weeks. Oh, yeah. Unless we had like four times as many tanks. Yeah. Right. No, I <laughs> I love our Bach program, but how many times have I sat on that table and tried yeah. to kill it? <laughs> like, why are we doing three no and a half month beers, four month beers? What is going, why? This makes no sense. Because they delicious. taste so good. It does. <laughs> is there anything else then through this fermentation, you know, through this finishing fermentation process that, uh, you know, that you feel helps lend character to Dovetail? Uh, and if not, then we'll just start talking a little bit about smoked beer and rock beer because, uh, you know, we have to talk about that before we, we close up here. Mm-hmm. I feel like we touched on most of it. You know, I think so. As cool. far as open fermentation and, you know, that little extra work we have to do on the on the backside as far as 
scrubbing and putting in enough CO2 because most of our beer, since it does sit in open fermentation, I mean, this is obviously a blanketed statement. We work in grams per liter, not volume, so I'm sorry if this confuses anybody. But most of the beer, if we didn't add any extra CO2, would land around like 3.8, 3.9. It would that's be, being generous. Right. So no, we, we have to like give it some more ungesch, for sure. Ungespundet in the, in the, you know, like the Franconian right. style. Except for half. We don't scrub half, obviously. It does all of, most of the work on its own. Yeah, half is a completely different creature. Yeah. Sure, sure. Well, let's talk about smoked beer because, again, you know, we're here. It's it's National Smoke Beer Month this yes, month. Yes, it is. Nor- <laughs> yeah. November. Whichever National month you're month. listening to this podcast in, it's National Rock Beer Month. It's currently National Rock Beer Month. It, it definitely month. is. Yep. Yes. Everybody visit nationalrockbeermonth.com. <laughs> to know when it's National Rock Beer Month. <laughs> right, It'll tell exactly. you. Or just look at the calendar. You know, <laughs> yeah. When you read the date. Just know, <laughs> National Round Beer Month. Um, you know, we've talked to, to uh, you know plenty of brewers. In fact, you know, had a great conversation with uh, Matthias Trum of Schlenkelar earlier this year about brewing smoked beer. Um, smoked beer is something that you're passionate about, you know. And I, uh, we, of course, we're here in the brewing world. Like we, we seem to find the smoked beer fanatics. Whether you know it's Live Oak, whether it's like there's just you know there's this small cult of uh, of uh, rock beer fanatics, uh, but it's also it's also growing, and uh, you know and that's very. Um, there are different ways and methods of making rock beer. Obviously, when you know when we talk to Matthias, there they make 100% smoked malt because they're making their own malt and they're just making it to their own specs. Um, that was that was such a great conversation, by the way. If any, oh, well, thank go, you. Go back to what what do you know what episode that was? It was back in March of this year. I don't know the, that the was, exact number. It was really like a, a, it was a pleasure to listen to it. Well, thank you. Thanks. So you all, you all brew some uh, unapologetic smoked beer that embraces the smoke. Um, talk to me a little bit about the design philosophy behind that. The more smoked malt, <laughs> the more better the Ralph beer. <laughs> That's like the, chip, the my inner Chip McElroy from Live Oak. Like you know, we were down there a couple of years, film twenty twenty one filming video classes and hanging out after the, the we filmed the class. And uh, we tasted through all the the smoked beers on their menu. It was February. It was like right before the whole you know, they had the whole ice storm and whole state shut down. It was a real mess. But uh, you know we're there that night, and uh, you know there's like six smoked beers on the menu, and and you know we tasted through all of them. And Chips like, what do you think of that? He's like, oh, I think it's really good. He's like, he needs more smoke. <laughs> <laughs> now we taste the next one. He's like, hey, well, what do you think about that one? He's like, oh, this, I really like this one. He's like. Yeah, needs more smoke. <laughs> <laughs> of the six smoked beers, there was one, the Hellbach, that uh, he thought had the proper amount of smoke. For <laughs> everything else needed more smoke. Oh, anyway, you know, we find we find our our uh, fellow travelers in this world of smoked beer that way. Um, you all love to embrace the smoke in the same kind of way, and and in fact, when you you make smoked beer, you are pushing smoked malt into really high percentage territories talk to me about that so yeah so our rauch beer and our and our rauch uh doppelbach both have 95 percent smoked malt. 95 percent, and this is vireman smoked malt or? it is vireman mm-hmm. smoked okay. malt. yep yep and uh and then because we like our we like our rauch beer dark in the in the schlenker what's the other five percent it's it's a, a variety of roast malts okay yep so like Carafa one and Carafa three special mostly, um, all really, um, <laughs> okay. and, and then like so when we make our Grzyski, 
it's uh 100% percent wireman uh smoked weed oak smoked weed yeah oak smoked weed um 100 percent yeah 100 100% uh we're doing our smoked hellas again really soon uh and mm. that one we don't believe in smoked malt we believe in smoked yeast so oh, we're, so we're right, going right. right. to so direct gonna, repitch yep, yep so we're going to crop off of our rauch beer and then pitch into our our normal hellas and uh uh and do it uh, the proper way. Proper. <laughs> the sh- the Schleicherlaw way. Right, because yeah. they, they don't, I mean, you know, they call that beer Hellas. They don't call it smoked Hellas. It's just they make a Hellas for mm-hmm. people who don't want to drink the Rauch beer. The first time right. we did that was, um, we didn't even, I don't think we knew we did that. And no, that we was, did. Did you? Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. no. The first time, no Not yeah. the first yeah, yeah, yeah. true time. So the first true time, time was... Mm, it was in 2020 and it was um, but it wasn't hellas it wasn't hellas it was it was 2020 it was it was was my it was my bach and dan was like it was my bach so it was so (laughs) funny it was so funny and and because uh (laughs) somebody had brought me a silver bullet of an unlabeled can of beer and then and then said like in in in, they were like this is our grojitsky like taste it (laughs) And I, I opened it up and I was like, okay, cool. Because our my Bach is a Heller Bach, so it's it's light in color. Mm-hmm. And t- I tasted it and I was like, wow, this um great. Like, yeah, it's a, it is a little it's a little smoky. Yeah, I was expecting a little bit more smoke. And they were like, no, that's our my Bach. I was just I was just joking with you. It's not a Grojitsky or whatever. They just tried to like throw me off. <laughs> and then I was like, no, no, but this is a smoky beer. And then um, JP came around um, our marketing manager and a brewer um and she was like yeah you're right this does kind of have a little <laughs> smoke to it and no one else can really it pick it up a, like it was very subtle amount. well the mybox a big beer too right and it also kind of yeah, pushes like, out yeah, that that florally yeah that, that yeah real floral but, note too uh, on the nose that kind of sure you know sure enough um jp went back to the you know the papers or the the recipe yeah. or the the batch sheets the, the batch, the batch yep. sheets the log <laughs> and she was like oh okay yeah yep. we you we cropped um rauk yeast mm-hmm. on this bach beer because it was 2020 and we were like trying hey, hey. we were right. trying to save money you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's just like um but i still think that that was the best my bach we've ever made <laughs> i mean i was it was addicting it was delicious it was pretty good yeah it was a it feature was not a bug and then yeah. then we did so it on good. purpose and then we, we did it on purpose we, yeah. we did it obviously to the hellas where it would be like kind of in our opinion the most noticeable and as an introduction to people who who don't love rauk beer mm-hmm. as much as we do yep um, we wanted to make it a little bit more accessible. Much, we did much like the sponsor. We brought we brought um, a and people loved it. We yeah, and we I remember we brought it up to Lager and Friends up in Milwaukee, and we had a Hellas keg and a smoked Hellas keg, and uh, it it got a lot of uh, positive feedback. Um, I my question is now I'm interviewing my my colleagues here. Um, <laughs> we're cropping we're cropping the Rauk beer yeast. Didn't we? Wasn't we, it the Rauk Doppelbach it was. crop that we did first? It was. So what is going, do you think is going to be the difference in the smoke intensity? Is there going to be it's an effect? It's going to be a little lighter. A little Rauch, lighter. Probably. Okay. okay. But that was Rauk Doppelbach and the Maybach. Um, it's no, gonna be a, no, no. The smoked Hellas that we did was, was Rauk Doppelbach. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So unless we unless we leave a little more behind in the in the fermenter, mm. or just which we could do. Now you got him thinking so, about doing yeah, crazy So now you just you're, you're we're in a brainstorming <laughs> session yeah, here, Jamie. Yeah, you just walked into a. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the the magic of the craft beer <laughs> podcast, where uh, you know every brewer out there gets to listen to the the uh, dovetail creative process well, at work. <laughs> the RDB the RDB is a fun beer. Oh the, God! Well, yeah, we're talking about rock beer, so go when, ahead. When and I get say into when, that. I, when I say fun, I mean like not fun. <laughs> it is but, so oh, not so fun wor- so that worth it. we don't make our brewers do it. Ownership has to do it. If they right. want it, they have to brew. So it. I've been here. <laughs> RDB. That's no, rock Doppelbach. Rock Doppelbach. It's okay. a, it's a, uh, yeah, I've been here till one time. I was here till three a.m. Yep. finishing that beer. Yep. And and so what we do is we um, we we make. We do two two mash turns, and we make one like we have one turn of output. So we'll so we'll mash stout imperial stout style. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. That's exactly where it comes from. Yeah. Yep. So so we, we so we mash the first turn. First runnings, uh, first runnings go into the kettle. Second runnings uh, go into our holding vessel. We mash in with the uh, with the second runnings. Uh, the, and then and then we louder until the until the kettle is full, and then if 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 it's um, at at five a.m. you're <laughs> like you're like I'm gonna we're gonna use the second second runnings for a f- for a mi- like a, a mild version of uh, of the Rauk beer, and then at and then at three a.m. you're like. Down the down the sewer, <laughs> we're flushing it. God, this day is over. <laughs> the best laid plans, right? You, know, you, had, yep. you had your intentions were pure. Yep. Uh, but then, yeah, then you get to that point. Yep. Sure, sure. Quickly before we finish up here, you know, bring a ninety-five percent smoked malt beer seems pretty intense. You know, we we talk about it on the podcast, and, and you and I were talking about it before we started the podcast. Yeah, smoked malt isn't linear. It seems like ninety five percent is a shitload, you know, of smoked malt. You know, but for you, why push that much smoked malt in this beer? Um, you know, after a certain point, you almost hit this kind of saturation threshold, and uh, you know, and you could brew with more base malt. You choose to brew with more smoked malt, um, and you, and yet the smoked beers still come out with the level of balance that you're looking for. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, that kind of grist balance. Well, so, so I think, um, yeah, there is, there is like a nonlinear relationship to the amount of smoke malt. Um, but I think our process helps that balance. So, so our Rauch beer is, um, it's a double decoction. So I think, I think you do get like with a double decoction, you get a little bit of, uh, blow so those phenols are kind of you know mm-hmm. popping out yeah. through that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you're makes bl- sense. Yep, yeah, you're you're blowing it off, uh, and um, you're also adding. You know, even though there's smoke, there's like all kinds of stuff going on in that beer. There's that that maltiness that you get from from every decoction is also helping the drinkability. It's helping balance that smokiness, and that's that's the key. Uh, is is have you, you have to have enough other stuff going on in that in that beer um to to make the uh the smoke palatable 
Makes sense. Well, let's, let's zoom out for a last question here. Yeah, when you all started uh, years and years ago, the idea of a lager-focused craft brewery was a bit of an anomaly. Obviously, over the last several years, especially in this post-pandemic world, um, brewers who have now had some more tank space and more tank more time, and also have you know grown like the world of lager brewing has been growing very rapidly now over the last three years. Um, where do you see this going? What is the, in the big picture? You know how? What do you see in this like next near term? What the next three to five years hold? Not just for lager brewing, you know, but for dovetail and how you know do you see this? As an enduring market trend, are you excited about this? And uh, you know, what do you what do you think the future holds for this? And and we shouldn't just you you make more than just lager. You also obviously make Kolsch, Hefeweizen, yep. and other other kinds of beers and, and spontaneous beers. You know, but lager being a thing that you're known for, like what right. do you you know? How are you viewing this future over the next three to five years? So. This is my question that we can get Dan talking about too. Yeah, we should, uh, I mean, we should. For the sales we, we, we we should ask we should ask Dan about this. But yeah, like mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I, so so I'm I'm going to answer this. I'm going to give you two like different different points of view of of answer. Like so so yeah. Number one is like we actually we have, so we have a core four, right? And two of those core four are not lager. Two of them are lager. Um, so we brew, we do brew a lot of, we, we do brew a lot of, uh, a log of lager, but you know, we, we have success with our non lagers too. Um, uh, as far as like, like three to five years goes, and I think a lot of people in the, in the, uh, industry are thinking like this, we just want to make it to next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like, no joke. N- no sure, joke. Sure. Like, like, like this, this, uh, nobody could have. I mean, maybe some some people could have seen the pandemic coming, like as inevitable at some at some point. We didn't see it coming, uh, and it, and the pandemic for us and the economic instability that it has um, that it has caused is the thing that I'm most focused on. So I'm most focused, like like I think the three of us at this table, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about next year, right? And we're and, we're never gonna not brew lager, obviously. Right. This is true. This even is even us. though it's I mean, more difficult, right? Because the time it takes. Um, we can't not do it, right? We were doing it early on and and doing it well, right, before before the big lager boom, I guess, mm-hmm. in craft brewing. Um, Pre- we'll prefiguring con- right. the lager boom. Right, but we'll continue. Early movers and driving <laughs> This current yeah. craft lager yeah, renaissance. Yeah, we'll, we'll, continue, we'll continue to do it. Yeah, this is, I mean, right. this is who we are. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, the, the next three to five years, we'll be here um, and we'll be doing this. Uh, and, you know, what we do is uh, we, we bring, uh, we just bring quality. I mean, people are going to always want to drink um, or enjoy high quality uh, food and beverage. Um, this is uh, because it's delightful. It it's wonderful. Um, if we can make it work uh, in the back end um, continually, uh, if if it can be sustainable in terms of um, you know profitability and everything, um, then uh, then yeah, we'll be around for a very very long time. We're gonna be we're gonna be making the same beers. Uh, we're gonna be just honing in and uh, yeah, 
I mean, I just when I think about the, this brewery, you know, it's not a trend brewery. I don't think Hagen and Bill started it because they saw a market and said, you know, what this market needs <laughs> is is a lager focused brewery or a or a um, a continental European style brewery. Yeah, that's what Hagen and Bill approached it as any uh, as 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 artisans. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're artisans first. Um, and they didn't approach this venture, uh, or this this business, a, as an entrepreneur first, right? An entrepreneur will see a market and then fit a product in it. That's a kind way of saying we're not good business. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to say that, like we're we're building the uh, we're building the we're we're building the plane as as we're flying it, sort yep. of thing. Um, <laughs> Uh, and we're, and, and sometimes we're very foolish. Most of the times we're very <laughs> foolish, but, and we're very passionate. Um, but, uh, for me, I mean, like this is one of the most inspiring breweries I've been not only, not only a part of, but just aware of, uh, and, um, that type of like just being around Brittany and Hagen and 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 uh, JP and uh, and a bunch of the the talented people here um, is truly inspiring because you know there's a lot of noise in the market there's a lot of noise in the industry there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of everything and um, we just we just focus on what is like what what would what would we like to drink for the rest of our lives if we only had like a, just just a few choices and and can we can we deliver that and can we give this to somebody and is that somebody going to be like wow I'm going to have I can I can have ten of these I can have I can I can buy this every single week in my grocery store this is great this is really really solid beer so. Um, it's quality first. It's it's focusing on the craft. It's focusing on um, how to get better at doing our th- uh, what you know uh, technically and and in production and everything. This is why, like as a salesperson um, and as a sales director, sitting uh, amongst um, people like Brittany and and Hagen and Bill and JP and JP is a brewer. She she uh she she wrote the recipe for the the Czech dark lager that you're drinking. Um, I drank. Past you know, that, that one's gone. Getting to sit amongst these people and listen to them talk about uh, their craft, um, I just it, it's it's like an absolute delight. Um, sure. So sure, yeah. I was never a supply side economics fan until. It came to craft beer, mm-hmm. but what I've realized is that uh, you having this, you create a market that doesn't exist anymore, be, or never existed before, because people you know, realize that this thing now exists that they never knew that they wanted. You know, it's definitely a, if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. You know, field of dreams that uh, that craft beer in general is engaged in, and this logger side of craft beer is the latest iteration of that, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so. Thank you all for making uh, these brewer dreams possible. The beers are amazing. Like I said, I, I always look for an opportunity to come to Dovetail whenever I'm uh, in Chicago. And maybe I even create trips to Chicago <laughs> and justify just just in order to come here also. 
um, that's all a part of it. But thanks for talking to me today on the podcast. GND Chillers has set the standard on quality, service, and reliability with 24-7 service and support. Bring a taste of Bavaria to your brew house with Weyermann malts from BSG. Try Old Orchard's flavored craft juice concentrate blends in your next craft beverage. Pro Brew has rotary can fillers in stock with a two to four week lead time. Omega stylized yeast bring intense guava and passion fruit aromas out of your malt and hops. Join the American Homebrewers Association to unlock the 2023 National Homebrew Competition medal winning recipes. And Lotus Beverage Alliance provides flexible financing options tailored exclusively to brewers and other beverage makers. If you've enjoyed this podcast and all of the others, go to bearbring.com, click on that subscribe button, um, check out Dovetail's Hellas, a craft beer brewing beer of the year back in 2022. And there is a recipe available for subscribers for this Hellas, uh, for this Dovetail Hellas. You certainly don't want to miss that. And if you're an all access subscriber to craft beer and brewing, you can watch uh, Hagen and Bill's class on decoction brewing uh, that we put out a couple of years ago. It is something not to be missed. Uh, if people want to learn more about Dovetail, that both in real life here where we are now in the brewery and tap room and out there uh, on the internet and uh, you know and further afield where do they find you all you can find us on facebook and instagram and uh i think we're still on uh twitter, twitter slash yeah. x um so instagram is probably the best uh because it always goes mm-hmm. to facebook um and then our website, then our website you know dovetailbrewery.com and then uh, we're located at the corner of Bell Plain and Ravenswood Abs in Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. Well, we will make some way for the uh, Czech Beer Hall up here in this yep. room tonight. Uh, you know, as you make a bunch of Czech beer fans happy. And uh, now that we're done, I don't know. I've got time for another lager or two before. <laughs> Maybe an underberg. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe another lager or two, and yeah. then some underberg. <laughs> you know, we'll see where the afternoon goes. But uh, we got the here three we pack are. here. Underberg, <laughs> yeah. yeah, here we are on Fobab, 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 Fobab weekend. Uh, it's Friday afternoon, and we are just going to kick this thing off. Anyway, thank you all for joining me on the podcast. Thanks Cheers. for having us. Thank you so much for thank having you. us. This podcast has been brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those who love to make and drink great beer. To learn more or to subscribe, visit beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew.